1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join
0: the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the planet premier league podcast.
0: Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week, but uh, they are together and it was a lot of fun. I think you're going to really enjoy this. A lot of uh, interesting media talk, some behind the scenes stories. Adnan Verk has been on this uh, podcast a number of times before. He is a host for the MLB Network, NHL Network, as well as his own Cadence 13 podcast, Cinephile. Check that out. Jeremy Strong is uh, one of his latest guests. Adam Amin, you have heard him call the NFL for Fox. Um, He is on the number three team right now with Mark Schlereth and Christina Pink. Also calls baseball for Fox. Just came off calling the Dodgers Padres NLDS. And the television play-by-play person for the Chicago Bulls. Both Adam and Adnan worked at ESPN for many years, and so we start off talking about life after ESPN and how um, how daunting it is to leave that place. How you try to forge, um, how do you sort of forge uh, professional careers afterwards? And as many have done this, you know, whether it's Dan, Dan Patrick's of the world or Bill Simmons, Colin Cowards, etc., you can uh, certainly thrive once you leave. Bristol, Connecticut, as, uh, as these two have, um, we get into, uh, a little bit about the culture of Fox sports versus DSPN. Adnan uh, explains why he dislikes, immensely dislikes Tom Cruise, get into a little conversation about, uh, Canadian sports broadcasting and, uh, the city of, uh, Toronto, and then, uh, finish up with agents, which I think, uh, if you're into the business, you'll appreciate Adam and Adnan talk about, uh, why you want an agent? How you go about getting one? Uh, the value of agents, and uh, and I think you'll enjoy that part uh, as well. So uh, about 80 minutes or so with Adnan Verk and Adam Amin coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, I gave these two guys uh, a very nice intro at the top, so we'll 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 give a brief from one here. Adnan Verk. He has been on this podcast before. Maybe he can tell me how many times. He certainly was on the Sports Illustrated and won a lot. He's the host of the MLB Network, or you say host at MLB Network, NHL Network, as well as the Fine Cadence 13 podcast, Cinephile. All right, Adam Amin obviously has a lot of jobs uh, for Fox Sports, calls the NFL for them, calls MLB for them, just coming off the Padres, Dodgers, NLDS. so That's a really, really big spot for him. Also the television play-by-play voice for the Chicago Bulls. Just so you guys have a reference on this, Adam Amin worked for ESPN from 2011 to 2020. Adnan Virk worked for ESPN from 2010 to 2019. The focus of this podcast certainly will be life after ESPN. But before we start, Adnan... And Adam, I do have some breaking news that I want to announce on this podcast. And Adam Amin has been named the lead voice of WWE Raw. So I'm sorry, Adnan.
2: Once <laughs> yes. again, we're coming off someone, someone has come literally off the top, top row. Quite literally off the top row. Someone has time. come
0: in, Adnan, and stolen that job from you yet again. I apologize. Well, and welcome I, to the sports media podcast.
1: Thanks, Rich. I'd like to point out first and foremost, the, the first time we ever spoke on the of that at that time, the Sports Social Media Podcast is now being carried out by Jimmy Trina. You told me we set a record for downloads, most we did. popular podcast we've ever done. True. And then the next week, I was obliterated by Sean McDonough. It wasn't and, even close. And, and, and McDonough, when asked for comments, well, you look at that man, you look at me, <laughs> he's kind of a douche. So <laughs> McDonough blows with the water. I've now made like six or seven appearances in the pod. I'm now at a point I can't even carry it as a lead guest. I've got to have Amin on with me because you, you wouldn't book me otherwise. So now I'm here in support of the rising star and stardom of Adam and Amin. I'm, this is I'm, how world has I'm, changed. I'm, I'm just co-signing
2: on, on, on the dotted line with Adnan so right now. That's all it is. Here's one
0: thing I can tell the listeners. This is the honest truth. When Adnan set that record... I, we were not using whatever the metrics we use now which are far and away no I'm not even this is not to, this is not even a joke on Adnet like which are clearly far and away more accurate and stuff whatever that metric was which by the way a ton of podcasts did like it was insanely off because like your podcast with me drew like a hundred and like eighty thousand downloads and no offense to you like that that's just not. That, that was not a realistic number based on what the numbers are today. And <laughs> McDonald's to, – To get perspective,
1: what were you averaging previously? I think it was like 50,000 you were getting. So I almost Yeah, tripled. like you so like right.
0: So you, yeah. like you, you tripled it or quadrupled it. And you, you certainly – I mean anecdotally, I think a lot of people listen to it. But what has happened and, – and again, I am not an expert on this. But what has happened in the podcast space is I believe the metrics are now a little more accurate. <laughs> so – when back in the day, you probably could have just gotten away with saying, oh, yeah, I, have, I had 10 million people listening to this podcast with a obscure poet from, you know, Toledo, Ohio. yesterday." <laughs> like, it just wasn't the case. But, yes, there was a time and you were far and away like you were my biggest download. And I was like, wow, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on my way to Rogan and Simmons land. And that quickly changed that 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 that, 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 that train track uh, got the you know, how you know how, it ha- you
2: know how it happens, though, man, it's 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 all of us. Self-loving uh, media people and oh, yeah. Adnan, as you know, is the king of the name drop, he the absolute undisputed yeah. <laughs> intercontinental <laughs> champion of name drops. Yeah, and it's like it's like he tracked it like you could track all of them to be like, Oh, did he? All right, I guess I have to download this thing now. I have to right, listen yeah.
1: to it exactly. Nobody cared, but once they I heard Adnan mention, what did he say? We have to listen to it <laughs> now. We okay, to listen, well, the whole thing. now and, we're
2: in. And, by the way, to to your credit and to Richard's credit. The the interviews are all, are very good, so that you know they're, it's good enough to stick around. But we're all coming in for the name drop first and foremost. Let's not <laughs> oh, lie to ourselves. Let's un- not bullshit I mean, ourselves here.
0: Unquestioned. I mean, Adnan Virk is the uh, the sting or Ric Flair of name drops. Yeah. I mean, whatever flies icon in he flies
2: wants. in from from the ceiling yeah. of the building. From he's flying down from the from the right. Rogers Center catwalk to that, do that. that I that mean, Adnan, it,
0: I, c- I could say you're the, uh, the you could uh, you could be the Bianca Belair or, or the Becky Lynch of name drops. But then I do I don't want to. I don't want the pain of not working for WWE anymore to be stabbing you.
1: So I use WCW. Okay. I like that you went with a different name. It was very conscientious. <laughs> yeah. By the way, speaking of name drops, nobody's gonna top the Bob Costa story. If anybody Incredible. has to listen,
2: Incredible. Bob was recently
1: a guest on Rich's podcast, everyone listening, stop listening to this. Go listen to Bob Costa's Jack Nicholson story, all timer, as I'm talking to a modern day Dick Cabot here Richard Deitch. I text, <laughs> yeah. I texted
2: Deitch as soon as I heard he the did. first three True. minutes. Of that podcast, when <laughs> Costas drops, that was a great call by you and Antonetti to put in the the, the oh. Costas story as the cold open.
0: Patrick, yeah. wow, that's a first one. Very nice of you to get a name drop of Patrick Antonetti. Uh, <laughs> I've always believed, uh, and I have done this, and, and I think you do this too. The producers are the most important people on yeah. any of these podcasts. You have to mention them at the top, and I, yeah. I like it. It does bother me in that uh, every podcast does not um, does not list the sort of producer like within the. Uh, the initial credit. So I always, in my when I have a sort of an ear for this, the hosts of podcasts that sort of mention producers, particularly early. Um, yeah, I got a rod of respect for. Right now, we're totally filling this podcast because ad- Adam Amin is like he's like redecorating his uh, his he's, home he's, at the moment. He's, he's
1: always on the smooth. That's the thing with Adam. He's always traveling. He's doing different jobs. That's, that's hard it's for like him. a it's
0: like a GoPro come. It's like a like a GoPro ad. He's or doing just right running
1: now. around right now. Yeah, yeah. But you right. always give you always give Chris Corcoran a name drop at the end, which I do appreciate. You give Anthony at the top. Corcoran gets a shout out at the end. We that's love true.
0: Yeah, no chance Corcoran's listen to this podcast, Adam. You know that. All <laughs> right, uh, that's a Cadence thirteen uh, head. By the way, for the people who will yell at me for inside name dropping, but I'm, gonna, I'm definitely on the uh, on the Apple Podcast comments. So much inside baseball, too much name dropping. This podcast sucks. One star. Um, <laughs> all right, so at, I'm going to start with you, Adam. Let's get to the let's get to this. Um, yeah. You were obviously recruited, if that's the right word, by Fox. And so you made a decision to leave ESPN and to take the Fox job. You have great assignments in Fox, unquestionably. That said, I think people would want to know: like, did was it daunting to leave ESPN, and how much thought went into one leaving a place that you had been at a long time, and two leaving a place that I, I think it's still very fair to say is the most dominant sports brand in the United States.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. They're they're still associated, even if. I I come to a place like Fox Sports and there's all these big events and and that's what they're kind of built off of is kind of the bigger network event style uh, broadcast. And and obviously that's something that everybody would like a, a chance to be a part of, but you walk into a bar or a sports bar or a restaurant or something, typically the TV, unless there's a big game going on, is going to be on ESPN. So it's still the foremost idea that is connective with most people in this country about sports, especially younger people because ESPN social media following is very big, all that stuff. So, so I agree uh, that it's still one of the forefront companies when it comes to the, to the business that we're currently talking about. It was daunting for those reasons, more so because it was my first job. It was my first real job in, in, at this level. I was 24 when I got hired. And I'm not saying that I was doing you know the women's final four or the NBA or major college football right out of the gate. But I grew into it, and that was nine years essentially of my early adult life. Essentially, growing up on television with those with, with 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 those letters, with with that network, with that company, and with all the people that came along with it, I got to know. I still talk to plenty of producers, a lot of my analysts, uh, a couple of higher ups once in a while. Just because you spend that much time there, naturally, it's going to have some kind of effect on you. I remember when I left. I had talked to Mike Tarico, who had recently left ESPN to go to NBC at the time, and he basically said, "You kind of give away a little piece of your soul when you leave a place that you grew up at." You know, and I, and I thought, "Wow, that's a little that feels a little extreme in a way." And he was right because I was almost kind of leaving behind a, a younger version of myself. If you if you write your life into chapters or or into sections or whatever it may be, that's a big section of my life and. I lost my father when I was there the people that were there Richard you wrote about it very very kindly at the time in 2018 it was the worst moment of my life and a month later was the biggest moment of my career and those people my producers Rebecca Lobo Holly Rowe Carol Lawson everybody on that final four crew all the higher ups they kind of carried me through that portion of time from the worst to arguably one of the best moments overall and you know you don't forget things like that so that, and that's just one small sample of the humanity, the, the human element of that. That was the biggest and most daunting thing to have to leave was the human element of it. Not necessarily the letters. I, I'm happy with my assignments. I was happy there. I'm happier now just because it's sports that I really love and and I'm connected to. But you know, the the, the human element of that is is the most daunting thing to have to leave.
0: And then I'm uh, I'm gonna I wanna I'm gonna have a specific question for you. But as someone who um... Has always sort of been interested in media, and you're you're you keep up on a lot of this stuff. And I'm not necessarily asking you to bad mouth ESPN, although maybe in some way I am, I guess. But like, how how does it's ridiculous to me that you would you would allow someone like Adam Amin to walk out the door? It's a it's a it's a broadcast. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to kiss your ass here, Adam. It's like stuff I've written already. If you have a broadcaster who's under forty with like that kind of talent. Uh, who has a potential to maybe one day like lead a package like you can't let that person leave in my opinion like yeah like Joe Buck left and I get it like you know he's certainly a ma- massive talent but like they paid him a fortune of money and he's 50 years old and and he wanted to work with his wife as well and so like there's reasons for that so that was one thing with Adam like I get Fox probably came and you know maybe they came with him a wheelbarrow of mo- of money or stuff like that but if you're like, how you know what I'm saying? Like, you've been in the business a long time. There, there are certain people who have a certain skill set that you really can't let out the door. And I always thought Adam Amin was one of them. So, how how did you see that? How does that happen?
1: Yeah, when Adam first told me that there was interest in Fox, I was thrilled for him because we, as we all know in the business, like, if you really want to get taken care of, you get a little leverage going. And yep. as you said, that's a, as big a brand of the sports as possible. Like, for Adam, I'm like, dude, you're in your mid 30s and you work at ESPN, which is as big as it gets. And then Fox Sports to me is you know, on a different level, just as huge, because as he said, he's calling different sports. Like he did a phenomenal job on college football and on college basketball and baseball, whenever you got a chance to fill in on the radio specifically. But once he told me the gig, I'm like, wait, you're going to be calling NFL games. Like, Baseball is my favorite sport. It always has been. It always will be. But we all know football is king in this country. And once he said he could be calling games for Fox, the NFL, I'm like, oh, my God, like this, is, this is truly the job of a lifetime. In addition to being like a number two baseball guy, I'm like, wait, wow, that's amazing. Like, or number three, I guess at the time, it was Buck, Davis, and then Adam. I said... God, between the football and the baseball. And then he'd also told me the stuff which was happening. I don't know if it was concurrently Adam or maybe before yep. with the Bulls. So I'm like, wait, you already have the voice of a team. And it's not just a team. It's the Chicago Bulls, one of the signature franchises in the sport. Yep. And you're telling me you can work for Fox Sports doing the number one sport, which is football. And then my favorite sport of baseball and again, I think it's key to look at not just the sport, but the assignment. He's not doing the number seven game. He's doing one of the biggest games of the weekend. This past weekend, my beloved Philadelphia Eagles were on a bye, I texted him, I said, what game are you calling? I'm gonna to listen to your game, Packers-Commanders. I'm like, pretty good game. Aaron Rodgers against Washington. I'm like, so, you know, in the past, some of those games he'd be calling, he always did a, a phenomenal job, but he'd be calling, you know, Mount West game on a Friday night, or, you know, other, other games are on, there's a lot of competition. When he's on now, he's on. And to your point about Fox Sports feeling different, I watch sports all the time with my kids. As you guys know, I have four boys. My oldest son, DeSantis is 14. I'm watching the Padres, Dodgers. I go, that's Adam Amin. He's like, oh, yeah, your friend. You know, we're watching the Packers. I go, that's Adam Amin. He's like, wow, he does a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> and it's big time stuff. Like, again, whether he called wrestling or women's college basketball, he did it with professionalism and aplomb at ESPN. But I feel like just as a good friend of his, his ranking has gone up. I, I just I literally dropped out to of my kids at school and one of the parents is a big Bulls fan. He's like, oh how about the Bulls are back? And I'm like, oh, I don't think about them. You have to ask my buddy Adam Amin. Well you know Adam Amin? I'm like, yeah, he's the voice of the bulls, he's a close friend of mine. He's like, oh, tell that guy he's awesome. So I think people knew how good he was at ESPN, at least internally. But the secret's out now. Everyone knows that Adam is elite when it comes to play by play across a variety of sports.
0: Adam, I'm gonna stick with you. Um you know you you didn't leave ESPN in probably the circumstances you want, but you were able to then um, one sort of, I think the shock of it passed. You're able to forge out some great gigs. You know, you, you we, we joke about you, but you went to WWE. Um, you're you love baseball, so you're at MLB Net. Um, you're doing the NHL. You have your you you know you did a podcast with Mike Lombardi for a while on football. You're now doing your cinephile one. So you to me are an example of people who have left that place and found success. There are people who sort of form their own. Businesses, You know, Dan Patrick, Bill Simmons, Colin Coward, Lebertard, Like, they literally left and sort of brought a ton of people with them to create jobs. That, to me, is really, really impressive. Um, perhaps the most impressive um, sort of thing you could do is when you use your star to, to, to take care of other people and and give them uh, jobs. You have individuals, you know, Carissa Thompson or Tarico Emmanuel Acho, who have found uh, jobs after ESPN, just, um, you know, whatever gigs that they – Have um, for you, did did you? I know you were initially worried about sort of what's next. But did the fact that others had sort of forged a path, did that provide you with at least a little bit of solace? Like, you know, maybe once upon a time, if I left ESPN, I'm going to be off the roadmap forever. But that world has changed now. Like, not only have people left ESPN, they've probably gotten bigger since they've left ESPN.
1: Yeah. Yes and no. The the reason it didn't give me pause is some of those names you mentioned. I'd be like people would say that they go look at dan patrick and i'm like well i'm no dan patrick like to be clear he was on the big show with keith oberman he was as big as it got and then he had his own radio so so i'm like i'm i'm not dan patrick like i was i had a good role at espn i was certainly i think a loyal soldier and and a well-liked employee which is important to me but i didn't have the name recognition of some of those other people like i'm not mike DeRico leaving so that's where i was concerned i'm like okay um like maybe i can get work but I don't think I'm going to flourish where these other people have. I just don't have the brand name or the recognition, the star power, et cetera. But where I was fortunate is I am industrious and I do like to work and I don't say no. So I'm willing to take risks and I'm willing to to try anything. So I think that's been to my advantage. So you know, when Dazone came coming along, it was like, all right, sure. I get to reunite with John Skipper and and Jamie Horowitz was very kind and gracious to me and giving me a chance. And of course, Nick Khan facilitating the whole thing and Matt Olson. So I was like, all right. And, And it's baseball and and I'll get in with MLB Network because it's zone. It, the show we did was called the change-up, which was an MLB whip-around show. And that'll be during the season. And then the offseason season I'll do stuff for MLB Network, which, as we've discussed, my favorite sport. And I'm like, all right, great. So then I've got two companies there. Then you mentioned Cadence Thirteen. Uh, the fact that Corkum was like, Hey, I, I don't know if Adnan's an NFL guy. I never saw him do NFL stuff with ESPN. I said, Everyone's an NFL guy. He's like, Okay, well, we got Michael Lombardi. If he wants to do a podcast with him, I'm like, Great. And <laughs> Mike didn't know anything about me. It was so funny. We did like a little demo together. And after he's like, Okay, hey, I got to be honest, like, I, didn't, I didn't know who you were. And it was it was very eye opening because when you think you're at ESPN, you think everyone knows ESPN. And not in an arrogant manner, but like, Hey, we're the biggest, baddest people on the block. Everyone knows ESPN. We're like on Broadway today. And Michael Lombardi is a long time GM executive. He has no idea who I am. He's like, I I never heard it. To be honest with you, I think you're pretty good. I'm like, thanks. And <laughs> and then we got to do this NFL pod together, sprinkled amidst Springsteen and Sopranos references. We got to talk football. So that scratch an itch, and that I'd never been able to do football at ESPN because it's so competitive, and there's so many everybody wants to do the NFL. So good luck with that. Of course. So I was happy I got to do that for three years over 200 episodes. The baseball fulfills that itch. Unfortunately, ESPN just is not in the baseball business the way they were previously. Baseball Tonight used to air twice a night. Um, you know, there were shows at 10 p.m. midnight. That is no longer the case. It is now a weekly show. There used to be games on it Sunday, Monday, Wednesday. It's now just Sunday. So even if I was still there, I think I would miss the fact that my favorite sport has been curtailed. Um, and I get to do hockey as well. With NHL Network, it's fun. It's a lot of Canadians that I work with. We make references to cities that you now know, having lived in the GTA. If there's, <laughs> there's nary a day that Scarborough doesn't get mentioned. Nice. If me and Mike Johnson or Kevin Weeks are together and the American audience wonders, perplexed what we're talking about. So I've been able to do that and and to zone, you know, the baseball shouldn't, didn't work out but I got to do boxing which Adam knows this having called wrestling like it was really like even my son's the other day, is like remember when he did like some fights I'm like yeah he's like, you, you were doing play by play for boxing I'm like yeah he's like I've never thought that would happen I go no I got I'm with Sugar Ray Leonard and I'm like hosting fights for you know prominent Boxers and I'm, I'm calling fights, which I'd never done before. I have no proficiency in doing. So I'm like, all right, give it a shot. So again, it, it I don't think it's that I'm good, Rich. I just think I'm too dumb to, to not say no. I'm like, no, <laughs> all right, right. All right? It's like, do you want to call a boxing match? Right, sure. And then and then I'll put in the work. Okay, here's the stats. I get I have smart people around me. Corey Urban's helping me. Here's some stats. Lean on the analysts, they're smarter than you. Tariko famously said, I think in your podcast, he said the most important people on the call. Number three is the play by play. It's the analyst. You lean on them for the insight. It's the producer who's guiding you. I would then add the researcher person. I think that's number three. I would put myself four. So if I've got a good analyst, a good producer, great researcher, I'm like, I, I could probably have fastest thing towards a C plus, be modest, and we'll get through it. A good,
2: tra- a good traffic cop with energy is always welcome in those 100%, spots. A good right. traffic cop with good energy who at least yeah. knows what's happening and Adnan fills all those roles very, very
1: well. Right. I appreciate yeah. that. And then, and then I get to, listen, I went to Saudi Arabia for God's sakes. Like at one point, I looked at John Skipper. I said, did you ever think we'd be in Saudi Arabia here for the clash of the dunes <laughs> between Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz? So- so life takes you on very many detours in many different places. And then culminated earlier this year, I get to work the Olympics. And you know this, Rich. You've done the Olympics. You've said this publicly. There's nothing quite as special as doing an Olympics. Now, Agreed. I agree with you. If I was like you actually on the scene, like the great Michael Farber on a bus somewhere in Athens, that's different.
0: So many well, name drops. Michael Farber, by the way, longtime Sports <laughs> Illustrated writer. Killing Canadian. it. Love it. Farber. Yeah.
1: And then, um, but the fact I got to do a show with, uh, with Dan Steer, who Adam knows, is a great guy. And, you know, other former ESPN personalities, we did a show on Peacock. It was called Olympic Gold. It was it was like SportsCenter, but doing it for the Olympics. And it's funny. I think for most people, Rich, you know that you would know the numbers. Summer Olympics draws this much. Winter Olympics draws this much. I'm more of a Winter Olympics guy because Canada always did much better than Winter Olympics. So I love ski jumping. I got to dock figure skating. And the biggest thing they kept saying is, Oh, you're so good at this. And I was like, well, I did SportsCenter. So this is what it is. It's Sports Center just with athletes. And, and that facility with names is really, really, fun. So it's a long way of saying I've been really fortunate to have lots of different opportunities. And I think the three of us can agree, when you're writing for The Athletic or Adam is doing work even now, high-profile work, the numbers aren't what they were maybe 10, 15 years ago, but there are a lot more opportunities now. So yeah. I, I don't know how, what the reach is necessarily, but there's definitely opportunities if you're willing to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, I actually forgotten you'd done Peacock. That's cool. That's actually a, that's, a, that's a good assignment. All right, Adam. Um, you know, one of the things in the course of writing about this stuff, as I've had, I, I find that talking to Fox Sports employees, there, there really is a different culture there versus ESPN. And one of the most apparent ones is that Fox is very, I don't know, if loose. I don't want it to be sound pejorative. Fox really allows its talent a lot of latitude in terms of just sort of doing what it wants to do, including like things away from Fox, like ESPN and this is just their corporate philosophy. They are very tight when, when they get a request for an on-air talent, if that on-air talent wants to do something outside of the ESPN universe. right? Fox very much sort of is like they're laissez-faire here. I mean, I I, I'm just going to phrase it this way. They kind of like treat their talent like adults. They're like, you know, we trust you to sort of make smart decisions here and don't fucking embarrass the company basically. It's sort of like to be put it blunt. Um, you know, I've never worked for Fox, nor will I ever work for Fox or ESPN just to be blunt. It's just not going to happen. Um, could you, for my listeners, just like, at least in your limited experience, just, uh, you know, being there for a year now, just give us a sense of just like culturally, corporately, culturally, whatever that is, what's the difference between the two?
2: Yeah. I I think one of the biggest distinctions you have to make is that, The size of the two places is so, the gap is very large. Just Fox Sports, and I'm not even talking about the Fox Corporation, which I have zero interaction with. It's Fox Sports, and it's a very, very, very small group relative to everybody at ESPN. And it's because ESPN has all of these different properties. They have all these different uh, sports that they have to cover, they're required to. You You need to fill out the ACC network now. You have to have somebody... On the fourth crew on the ACC game on Saturdays, you have to fill out the fifth game on the SEC network. Those are requirements now, and that stretches the 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 reach of the the network to people a little bit thinner. Whereas at Fox, it's there's only so many people. There's only essentially five or six NFL crews. There's only you know five or six college football crews at most. Whereas ESPN, you're gonna have twenty college football crews on yeah. any given weekend between linear TV, uh, broadband TV, internet, ESPN+, Plus, Big 12+, Plus, all this stuff. So I think it's easier for uh, high executives, higher-ups, whatever phrase you want to use, to be communicative, to have those conversations where you feel like you're talking, being talked to like an adult. And again, I'm more of an adult now than I was at ESPN. I was basically a child. So for me, all I wanted to do for the entirety of the 9 years that I was there it was just let me know what you need me to do. I'm happy to do it. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and then when contract time rolls around or if the opportunity comes around, hey, I would like to do X Y and Z on the next deal. All right, well we'll see what we can do for you. And if you can't do it, where are you going to go? You know, and I'm not saying that that's how they treat you, but you. that's the frame, that's the framework. Yeah. It's what are you what else where are you, you going to go?
0: I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I imagine you agree with this. The framework is always that the four letters are bigger than you, whatever,
2: however you spell your name, right? 100%. And yeah. and if you are a part of those four letters for where they're at right now, you can still kind of swing that. You yeah. can still kind of say that if you're ESPN. Like I said, they're still the biggest entity of this. And that kind of forces them in a way to not allow talent to try to outgrow it unless you're the Stephen A. Smiths of That's the world, right. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, they, they, they've carved out their own niche and, and more power to them. I think there is that, that kind of connective tissue more at Fox because it's just a smaller place. Higher ups. I, I have no uh, envy for anybody who's got to be a core, uh, what's a coordinating producer for any sport, especially at ESPN, especially a, a, a sport like basketball where you're, you know, college hoops where you have thousands of games a year and you're just trying to keep the plate spinning yeah. and all every single one of them run into the next run into the next run into the next, keep this plate spinning and hope the other one doesn't fall. The one that you haven't really paid attention to in a few minutes, like that's that's a hard job, and I think that is the biggest element as to why it feels like that. It all trickles down. You have tighter communication. You have more communication. You feel more connected to people because there's just aren't there just aren't as many people. It's a smaller machine that still turns out really high quality work. So, based off that alone the trickle-down of that is you just feel a little bit more connected to everybody.
0: And, and uh, when did you first meet Adam? When did you two first come into contact? Do you remember?
1: He, yeah, it was in Atlanta. He was calling a game on the radio and, uh, Anish Shroff, our good friend had said, yep. have you heard this guy? Adam mean, I said, no, he goes great pipes. That was the first thing he said. <laughs> guy's got great pipes as a guy. Cause he he's really good because you should, you should hook, look him up. So, I think Adam was calling him a Chris Singleton, I'm going to assume. Yeah, he mobile network radio. We were, we're uh, doing Braves
2: Braves, uh, Braves, Angels, I think, on Father's Day
1: that yeah. weekend. So I reached out to him. I said, Hey, I'd love to meet you, man. I hear great things. He said, uh, Likewise. So we went and had a couple of ginger ales in the streets of Atlanta That's and right. uh, became a quick, fast friendship. And, uh, you know, without being sentimental, in many ways, I feel like he's a little brother to me, especially yeah. in the business because I'm the youngest of two. Adam's the youngest of four. So I never had a little brother. I've never been able to have that kind of relationship. But I feel that way about him. And, um, you know, the best compliment I could pay him is I, 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 I see greatness in him, I think, where he doesn't see it. Like, I think early on, I knew how good he was, just as Anish did, just as Kevin Nagandi would. Like, any of our crew, like, no, that guy's really good. And, you know, intrinsically, like, well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's pretty good. Like, no, no, but he's like, he's really good. Like, <laughs> I'll tell friends, I'm like, Adam's going to call Super Bowl one day. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, no, he is. Like, he's 36. He's at Fox. He's going to call Super Bowl one day. And I'll be able to say, there's my friend calling the Super Bowl. And I'm going to text him and like, look, hey, say, say this, say that. Like, it's like uh, Joe Buck, people would text him, like say funny lines of words, but he's going to yeah. do that one day. He's so going
2: like, to try to get me to make a Peppy Panini reference at some point. <laughs> so.
1: And what I noticed about him, Rich, was he, he had a really, it sounds, like a, it sounds like I'm sending him up for like a, on a dating app, but he had a really good <laughs> family background, like I could tell right away. He's like, just like me, Pakistani immigrants, Muslim family, three brothers, close-knit, tight with his dad, tight with his mom from chicago as you know chicago and toronto very similar cold weather cities very true great summers great restaurants but like he had that like immigrant work ethic about him but you know no ego humble head down natural insecurity of most of us i could see a little bit of that seeping through which i could relate to I'm like yeah he's kind of like me he's a little young he's a little insecure but i'm like he'll say yes to everything like they're gonna love this guy and very quickly i think he became a favorite of leaf fittings and the only thing that was annoying to me was I. I He's totally fitting, by bit. the
0: way. It's been management type. Of, I, I'm just <laughs> protecting the <laughs> Apple rankings here out right now.
1: <laughs> I bet. Eventually became frustrating was this like at one point Tobey Maguire was known for being Spider Man then eventually became Tobey Maguire is known for being friends with Leonardo DiCaprio that was the only frustration <laughs> to me it used to be Adam Burke via It was like Adnan Burke good friend of Adam and me and I go okay well if, if that's the way changed I'll
2: take it that's my promise that that is not the case that is not the case but but he he definitely filled the the Big Brother role right out of the gate and and in a way and again I gravitate towards people who are a little bit older just because my the, the youngest of my three older brothers is nine years older than me. So I've always had that gap. So anybody around that age or around that gap was always going to have like this sensibility to me that, that just fits. And having Adnan be somebody from the same background, essentially, to have somebody that had all this experience already in the business. I was two or three years in, something like that, two and a half years in when I finally got to meet Adnan. And he just had this great perspective. And he was the same way. He was very humble. He was really hardworking. Great sense of humor about the business and you know, a good lesson, a good sounding board uh, to not take things too seriously, to not take yourself too seriously. And that certainly helped. That, that helped loosen me up right at the time that I was starting to maybe come into my own as a mechanical robotic broadcaster to learn all the things that I needed to learn to be good at this, or to at least be better at this than I was. He filled a lot of the gaps of, this is all good. All the mechanics are good here's the human side of it and try to treat it this way, because I promise you, you're going to have some disappointments. And if you treat them this way, they won't sting as badly and you're going to have successes. And if you treat them the same way, they won't, uh, they won't shoot your ego into a, into an untenable direction. So, so that was a major influence when I needed it the most.
0: This, uh, I believe this is the first sports media podcast with three Pakistani immigrants. very exciting. <laughs>
2: it's a Wait big, a big
1: deal. An it's an big all, deal the today. all Muslim sports media. Yeah, podcast. Yeah. Wait a minute.
0: That's not accurate. Actually, yeah. I
2: the, the the other element to the ESPN side of it was I, this was a running joke forever <laughs> with Nagandi, Anish, Dari, me, Zubin Mahendi, Adnan. Like, obviously, this was a running joke for a long time to Bill Kareem's kind of part of it now. But that was the other element at ESPN where it's like, hey, you're. And then you would, they would wait for you. They'd wait for you to kind of like answer because they weren't 100% sure who you were, which is right. fine. That's just how big the machine is. And the fact that we had so many of us uh, from similar backgrounds is great. Uh, it's a little bit more individualized when you leave leave
1: the bubble of you. But I loved it, Rich, because Anish said he'd be out there calling some lacrosse match and people would see him and go, hey, I got to talk movies with you. And I'm like, ah. I got
2: stopped at the Birmingham airport, Birmingham, Alabama airport. And somebody pull, pulled me aside and said, hey, I just got to tell you, I love when you fill in for Scott Van Pelt and I love you on baseball tonight night. I, I do not have the heart to be like that's different guy and I just I, he asked for a photo. So somewhere out there there's a posted photo or some some guy has a photo on his mantle of him and me. And like the label says, with Adnan Verk, circa two thousand sixteen. And the, the crazy thing is, you two do not look alike at all. Anyway,
0: no. so, I mean,
1: uh, I, there, there's some elements. I think. Well, the weirdest one, Rich. The element. weirdest one was was of those people that had to mention the most common resemblance are the two guys who look the most dissimilar: <laughs> yeah. Dari and Nagandi. Yeah, short like me, Adam and Ish, like you know five between five seven and five ten. Nagani's like six one, good head of hair. Dari's a little lighter complexion, half Persian. Nagani's Indian. Like I was like, how did those two? But but Jay Harris was like, oh my god, he's like people are constantly mistaking <laughs> the largest gap
2: by far visually, <laughs> and uh, those are the two that get mi- mixed up together the most. Probably they're right. probably their association with college football.
1: I mean, like you and, and Tom Braducci for God's
2: sakes. Right? Yeah, like,
0: no, <laughs> Tom Braducci is the most handsome sports writer that's ever existed. All right, and I'm going to give you a chance here to to do movie stuff, okay? Because I just, I love this topic because I know it gets you going. Why yeah. do you think Tom Cruise sucks?
1: <laughs> the that viral very, moment we've been waiting for. The very viral moment we Very Swatsy-esque Rich. Open, neutral. It wasn't neutral, but you already know where you're going with it. So here's the thing. I get the fact he is undeniably charismatic. I will willingly concede he is a massive movie star, one of the biggest movie stars we've seen. Just longevity alone, the fact he's been a bankable guy since Risky Business in 1983 is remarkable. He's a vile human being. And my eyes were finally open to this when I saw the documentary Going Clear, which is an incredible documentary, on HBO. Everyone should see it. It's readily available. Alex Gibney directed it. And it's called Going Clear, The Case Against Scientology. And it posits how this organization, which as any person of faith, like as as a religious person myself, I get so angry when people say, Well, you know, it's a religion. I'm like, it's not a religion, it's a cult. Like it's 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 horrible people. They they commit. Literally, human rights abuses against people. And again, if you leave whatever denomination you have, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, like, all right, do what you want. If you try to leave Scientology, you can't. They They—they—they they go after you and they punish you and they abuse you. And Leah Remini obviously has been very passionate about this. She is a former reformed Scientologist who has also spoken out about this. But the reason why Cruz has to deal with the crux of the abuse and why I direct my scorn towards him is if you watch the doc, you realize he's the most complicit more than anybody because David Miscavige runs the thing. Yeah. Cruz is the number one guy. Everyone knows Tom Cruise and Scientology. That goes together like butter and toast. So if just once he pulled aside Miscavige and hey, listen, you want to tone down some of the human rights abuses? Like, maybe let's not do this. But he won't do that because he's too reactive and they get all the dirt on him because when you do this whole coding, again, I I know way too much about the Scientology nonsense after watching the doc, but they kind of get you to therapy session. So they blackmail you. They get all your secrets and then they tell you how to get to different levels. Paul Haggis, the Canadian writer and director who did Crash, Million Dollar Baby, who's got skeletons of his own. But he is featured in the documentary and he says it and they tell him okay you're, you're a thetan and the, you know this is a person you can't trust and you know l ron hubbard was abducted by aliens he goes i thought it was an insanity test i thought if you actually believe this they kick you out and instead it's like no this is how you get to the next level so back to cruz he's sitting there grinning and and sneering and taking all these millions of money from people and yet he's willingly causing harm to others and, Rich, you can argue, hey, listen, Jack Nicholson was friends with Roman Polanski, and he did some nasty things to underage girl. I understand that. Martin Scorsese is your idol. He's, you know, accused of adultery. He's been married five times. Got it. Pacino's my favorite actor. Used to have a drug problem and alcohol abuse. Understood. De Niro had a case against him by a former um, assistant. Understood. But the point is, these are not abuses of other people. These are like individual self-inflicted wounds. If Scorsese had a coke problem, that's, you know, it's impacting him and I suppose others around him. But Cruz's level of complicity and what he's doing is on such a vast level. I I watch the doc and I go, that's it. I can't watch this guy's movies anymore. Now, people will argue, hang on a second, you won't even watch his movies. You're taking that kind of a moral stand. I'm like, yeah, I stopped Woody Allen movies after I learned the whole story. Before I was like, I know some stuff happened, but I love Midnight in Paris. Man, that Hemingway was great. I love that. Corey stole and then once i read about the story and i watched the documentaries i go yeah i don't want to be a part of that and 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 it extends to certain people michael jackson after watching Fine neverland i said i just can't listen to any more it's of hard. Guy's it's music. hard
2: i can't listen to kanye west music right now exactly it is, it, the guy's it, an anti-semite it's been, it's been, it's it's been horrible. hard for it's been hard for two years to listen to it for yeah. for other reasons that. and now all the, it's it's all in the same mold so, yeah. so yeah. let me let, let a let hard line
0: yes yeah, so let me i'll ask well i'll ask you both this you actually that's a very um well-stated case uh and and I actually I'm going to go watch that documentary. I've not seen that.
1: Please so do. You You'll think, love let me, it.
0: Uh, let me bring it to sports for a little bit. I do feel, and again, I, I'm I'm saying I am complicit in this in some ways. I loathe the IOC and I <laughs> loathe FIFA. They are horrific sports organizations. Some of the worst, just general organizations on the planet. Yet yeah. I have covered multiple Olympics and I love the competition of it. And I certainly will watch the World Cup from beginning to end. So, like, we do, like, make these sort of moral choices, right? We, we make decisions on, like, what, what what line we will draw or not or what the cognitive dissonance is. It's the same thing, I love the NFL, but I recognize this like, violence and, and the yeah. people who play in the game are not – many of them are not going to be healthy at 55 or 60. So like I'm not, it's more of a thought exercise here. I'm like not saying you're right or wrong, Adnan, but I do feel like all of us as individuals, like we we all have to come to whatever the line is. So you're, you have drawn your line for Cruz, where I guess for me, like I haven't drawn my line where my hatred of the IOC like eliminates me from turning off the Olympics. And I, that's always fascinating to me because I feel like we as human beings, we always make these sort of, little deals with ourselves and and like where those lines fall for each of us is different like i i have no interest in writing about live golf ever i don't think i will i mean if i i guess if my editor forced me to i will and maybe i'll have to when they cut a media deal but like i don't want any part of like um live golf at all like i feel like the saudis are just fucking with with america when it comes to gas like why why do i want to wave the flag there but so, Adam, I'll go to you because Adnan just gave his passionate speech on Cruz. Like, I feel like sports fans in some ways do this, too. Like, they do it every yeah. day. And I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I just I think you have to acknowledge it if you're if you're honest.
2: I, I, I think every one of us thing. If you're a fan, you don't necessarily have to acknowledge it. And it's not your job yeah, to agree. acknowledge it as a fan. You're part of the luxury that you get, the privilege that you have. Uh, of being a sports fan that gets to sit on their couch and watch the NFL on Sundays is to try to just enjoy the, the game or the competition or the, I use this word word a lot, framework of competition. I just want to see which team scores more points and then there are branches to that. Well, I care about my fantasy team. I have uh, allegiance to this uh, team because of its provincial nature. I like this quarterback. I like this running back. I read a nice story about, this linebacker, and I'm rooting for him now. And there are definitely moments where you see something violent happen. You go, I don't like that this is happening right now. But I understand that, quote unquote, it's part of the game. I have to do that every week. I've done that every week for 11 years in calling football games in general. And I've called NFL games since 2012 on national radio, now on TV the last three years. And I've had to think about that all the time. The thing that I love is the same thing that any of us love about sports: is these are people who do things that we more than more often than not cannot do physically. I can't hit a ball 400 feet like Aaron Judge. I can't throw a ball 60 yards like uh, like Aaron Rodgers. I can't uh, you know I, I can't score 40 points in an NBA game like Demar Derozan. But I enjoy watching physical feats by human beings. We're all of the same species, and yet they can do this really impressive stuff. That's at the core of why we enjoy this, why we do this, probably why I cover it. I enjoy documenting the physical feats of these athletes. And the, the additional baggage that comes with that is they're putting their health at risk. They're sometimes not treated the way that they probably should be treated in, in other workplaces. You would, I'm sure there's been uh, treatment of athletes by certain teams, owners, uh, organizations that we wouldn't stand for if, or we, we believe we wouldn't stand for. If that was happening at our company, if we were yeah. working at, you know, for for an auto, if we were an auto mechanic or something, I wouldn't want my boss to treat me that way. If I was a teacher, I wouldn't want my principal to teach me, uh, uh treat me that way. So we all make little deal. I, I think it's a great way to say it, Richard. We all make little deals with ourselves for the sake of trying to enjoy the framework of what we enjoy. Yeah. Because it's listen, not to get too downtrodden or something like that. The world sucks a lot. And sports are a fun thing that we do get to enjoy. And I know within that bubble, there's a lot of shitty things happening. There are many awful things that take place. And I hope that because there are people like you, who have done this job. There are great journalists out there. There are great writers out there. There are great reporters out there that are going to expose the bad stuff. It is hard for people like us to talk about this thing. Mike Tariko and Chris Collinsworth tried to address the concussion uh, issue with, to a, on Sunday night. This past week. And I'm not saying Mike and Chris didn't do a good job of it, but that's not the space where you're going to have the full discussion. And it's impossible. So if there are half, you know, 16 million people watch that game, half those people don't care. The other half, so the other 8 million people, half of those people are like, that's absolute bullshit. That's absolutely wrong. I can't believe they said it this way. That's not remotely correct. I disagree fully with that. And part of the deal is for us. You have to take that you know if you have to address something fine but you're not going to get the full extent of it so we all make little deals with ourselves every single time that we go on air because if something bad happens or if something bad has already taken place if we can't address it fully it's hard to flesh out in the 45 seconds of television in the middle of a game that they're giving you to try to flesh that out so i understand that people don't love that portion of it i don't love that portion i wish this weren't part of sports i wish i didn't have to address certain things at mostly because I wish they weren't taking place, but they do take place. Sometimes we have to address them and we try to do that to the best of our abilities. And those are part of the little deals that I make with myself. Adnan makes with himself. Every fan makes with themselves in some way, different degrees on Sundays or any other day they're sitting down to watch a sporting event.
0: Adnan, um, you you are, uh, as I think anyone who knows you or who certainly listened to this podcast or other places you've been, you are Canadian born in Canada. Um, you've made your professional career in the US. Um, has it has it, since you've been in the United States? Has there been any kind of um, inkling or calling to go back and work in Canada, or do you find at this point of your career that uh, um, for the duration of your professional career, perhaps for the duration of your life, you'll you'll you're going to stick in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Rich. When I when I first moved, you remember David Amber, who you know well is a yeah, great he's guy, the head of Hockey
0: <laughs> Night, uh, the, uh, the host of Hockey Night in Canada in uh, in in, in uh, for Sportsnet.
1: Yeah, and by the way, speaking of great successes post ESPN, like this yeah, guy, yeah, absolutely. This guy worked for TSM when I was on the row, meaning I was an editorial assistant, so I'm like writing scripts for David Amber. I'm like, wow, you're on TSM, pretty good. He was probably in his late 20s. He goes to ESPN for four years. Maybe they kind of, they years.
0: they did not, they had no idea what to do with him.
1: Correct. One of the many who was not given a full push. Agreed. Ends up going to Raptors TV where I'd worked previously, and now he's not getting Canada. Like, Amber's. Really, a unicorn and a huge talent and, great guy, and a
0: huge, and great such guy. a great guy. Yep.
1: Big heart, big heart. And um, so I remember Amber said to me, He goes, Hey, just, um, you know, like I know you're really proud that you're Canadian, but don't mention that you're Canadian at ESPN. I said, Why not? <laughs> he goes, Well, you know, uh, Matt Devlin is the voice of the Raptors. He's American. He's not bringing up the Stars and Stripes. He's not mentioning Independence Day. He's not mentioning US Thanksgiving. Like he's here, you know, Jack Armstrong and the Raptors, same thing, American guy, but it's oh, yo, Canada like you don't want to do that stuff and it was great advice and i completely ignored it every single chance <laughs> i got to mention larry walkers canadian or steve nash's canadian or you know any any, opportunity to, say, and, of the and, any opportunity, opportunity to say Scarborough or Ottawa, timbits ontario right like any any obscure reference to like god this guy rob thompson's canadian he's the manager of the phillies and like god ah, this is it. <laughs> but what's great about americans is they just laugh along. They go, Oh, that's silly little Canadian. He's so cute. I have a cousin from <laughs> Quebec. <laughs> like, like Canadians would get angry, like oh, go back to America then. Like, we don't need you here to play. Oh, you here. Can- Americans are like ha, ha, ha Canadians. I love that Jim Carrey. He's really funny. He's Canadian too. <laughs> I love that Willow. I Arnett. too. I too enjoy poutine. This is funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So have <laughs> had a Tim Hortons once. <laughs> it's a real credit to Americans that they, they play along with Canadianness. But honestly, the the, the uh, it's odd in that my parents are still there. I do love Canada. Every chance to get to go back to Canada, it's great. But the opportunities family.
0: are so limited, right? You, that's you, you the, that's the
1: game changer. That's the biggest thing. When someone tells me, I go, hey, there's two shops. It's, it's TSN and Sportsnet. Yep. And, and I have a cousin from England who was visiting. He goes, hey, no offense. If I had a choice of living in Canada or America, it's a no-brainer. And I said, come on. He goes, Canada's got four great cities. He goes, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary. I said, give some love to Edmonton. He goes, no. I go, Winnipeg. He's like, no. He goes, in America, I could live in LA, New York, Chicago, Miami, Dallas, Austin, New Orleans. I go, you're not living in New Orleans because I could live in New Orleans. Okay. And his point was that you have a country of 35 million and they have a country of 330 million. To your point, just in terms of opportunities, it's boundless in America. Right? When things didn't work out at ESPN, I had didn't have a lot of suitors, but I had a lot of options that I could look for jobs. Again, in Canada, on a national level. It's Sportsnet or it's TSN. It's, it's just, it's too small.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, as someone who, you know, worked for Sportsnet and now has uh, lived here for um, uh, nearly five years. That's crazy to think about. Um, yeah. You are correct. Like uh, professionally, uh, especially for someone sort of who's done what you've done Adnan, at your level, it's it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit, be a bit of a challenge. If you didn't get a certain signature job, you're mm-hmm. not going to get. You're not coming back here for another job because your financial situation would be dropping like immensely. Now, there obviously are you know benefits like in terms of like housing would be cheaper and yep. you know national health care. I can tell you as an American is an incredible thing and yeah, not to get too political, but Americans have been lied to about health care for a fucking long time. Yeah. And I can tell you that as someone who now lives in a place where sure. you literally never have to worry about being bankrupt if you get into an emergency or something like
1: that. But, One um, question on taxes for yeah, you, Rich, ahead. because this is yeah, often a right? And for, for me, the taxes, taxes in both okay.
0: countries. Yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because when, I'll be honest, when I was working at the score, I was making 75 grand, which is good money. But again, it wasn't what I'm making now. So whenever right. people would tell me, like, oh, the taxes in Canada, I go, I-, I don't know. I don't, I wasn't making the same amount. So I'd have to ask someone like you. It,
0: yeah, I will making. say, I mean, I probably shouldn't be giving up too much here, but like, <laughs> I, ha- I have... Cross-
1: Where's Shulman? Where's Shulman when you yeah, we well, he him. Yeah,
0: Well, that's he's in a little bit of a different tax bracket, Adam. Um, <laughs> I have cross-border accountants and cross-border lawyer, like who specialize in this kind of stuff to make sure that I am accurately paying like taxes in both countries yeah. and just making sure that we're sort of doing our part as uh, working citizens to to perform the duties that we have to. So yeah, I mean listen, I I do love Toronto, I do now consider it home it is costly to be an American living in Toronto. Like you're just, you're paying sort of everybody. Um, yeah. But the way I look at it is like, I am, I am okay paying into a system that takes care of everybody. Like that's right. just, I'm just giving you my POV. Yeah. So for me, it's whatever the taxes are, it's worth it. I'll, yeah. I'll pay it. I'm very fortunate to be making enough money where like, you know, I'm going to be okay with that. But yeah, like the reality is like taxes are, uh, um, are, are, are high here, but it, you it, it is I mean again, I don't know how many people on the who are listening to this podcast be interested in this. It is very different. Like just the way Canadians present sports is different, their interests are different. Um up here, I, I have seen more like what I would call small smaller sports or niche sports that get national attention mm-hmm. than ever happens in the US. and then you know it's like the C B C will play like uh um the rugby women's world cup. Like, <laughs> you know, that's ESPN plus maybe. Like right. in the States, right. Or some streaming outlet. It's just, so, um, it's very different. Go ahead. Adam. I think
2: that, I think that's interesting because I'd be fascinated to know from both of you about this, because I always had this kind of sense growing up watching ESPN that they kind of dictated to us what was important. I've always kind of had this weird philosophical thought. And I, I might be that. completely wrong, but no, you're not, it felt no. like for forever, especially whatever Dan and Keith said, uh, you mentioned the big show earlier, and like whatever yes. Dan and Keith said you need to give a shit about these things because yes. we're telling you this is the most important stuff. And I knew that ESPN had hockey and it was very popular in the 1990s. Part of the reason I got into hockey as much as I did in the nineties. But I, I know they that, that they told us that this was important. Yeah. What, hap- what do-
0: happened once they lost hockey, Adam? That's your answer, right? And, and, it wasn't and then it felt anymore. like
2: once, once the mid-2000s rolled around and I think it's only been accelerated by social media because I think the philosophy changed at one point, kind of reading Jim Miller's book and and you just kind of got a sense that somewhere in that two thousands era, it became, well, what do they care about? What do the fans care about? Which is not a bad way. I'm not saying that's a bad way to do business. Mm. I just think it's a clear shift in philosophy where at one point it was, we're going to tell you why you should care about this sport that maybe you don't care that much about, but it's big. It's important. Here's why into Oh, you don't care about this. We're going to pretend it doesn't exist anymore unless something just funny or viral happens. And then you can you can see it on our Instagram account. Like, I I feel like that philosophy changed. I'd be curious what that's like in Canada now, if that's shifted along with it or not.
1: And Rich, you've seen it in five years. And Adam, you can speak to this before. Americans would say about Canada, oh, I just don't know. They love their hockey, love their Leafs. God, they haven't won a cup in forever. How crazy is that? even in the five years you've been there, Rich, you've seen the it's, rise of the actually,
0: Raptors. I, I'll fact check yeah. myself. It's four years. It's, it's course, a little it's okay. over four years. I'd be but the
1: rise of the Raptors, how it's really kind of changed Canada's look. and Adam knows yes. this, calling basketball, every NBA player's like, dude, I love that road trip to Toronto. Like, it's, it's the secret's out now. It's a great party city for these NBA players. Totally. Saturday yeah. night, always the 1 p.m. game on Sunday, always the Raptors win that game, because these guys are going out getting after it. And once you saw Jurassic Park and the Raptors NBA Championship, I feel like the perception of Canadian sports fans changed america yeah
0: i I mean again i don't want to um man look at the i know the the apple podcast comment section just going to be ripping me on this one but whatever uh so (laughs) now you're talking just canada what are you doing here so i know my sense of that adnan is you and adam you can tell me if you agree with me i think a lot of the nba players like the toronto trip obviously it's a it's a it's a great city i mean great entertainment great food they can certainly go out obviously it's a major city so you know if you are single um and heterosexual there's a lot of beautiful people up here but i do think and and you grew up here so i didn't i think for a lot of the the nba players the black nba players i think that it it is a revelation to them that color is not like in their face every second i'm not saying canada doesn't have racism of course it does right but do you know what i'm saying Annan? it's just there's a diff i think for them and they have sort of expressed it it's just a different feeling up here. It's not racism. Isn't um, I don't know how do I say? It? Maybe they. Maybe maybe they're I, again. I'm I'm a white male saying this, so I, I get it. But like th- those guys probably always feel in some way like othered. Yes. And maybe when they're in Canada, it's a little mitigated. It feels less. That's my. Yeah. That's my sociological take.
1: No, I think you're. I think in America, the issue of race is so pungent. It's such so much a fabric of this country. Like The last yeah. 400 years, it's been an issue which has never been resolved. And will always be bubbling underneath the surface. Whereas yeah. in Canada, it's less palpable. It's less tangible. You're right to say, yeah. of course, racism still exists in Canada. There's still horrible yeah. hate etc. Yeah. Every day. But it, you're right. Walking the streets of Toronto, I never felt as much about race and otherness as you do in the States. Well, I, as soon as I walk in
2: to, you know, we get through customs and we, you know, we, we get off the plane, we go through customs and we get into the city. Like you get greet, just even the hotel and, and you already walk in. There's people from six different backgrounds that you're going to yes, see, and always, you're going to see you're going to see somebody with the Sikh uh, uh, head head dress. See dressing. him on you're television. Gonna, you, you're, yeah. you're, 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 you see people like that on TV all the time. There's a yeah. fun, there's there's uh, our buddy Faisal who works who nice. works on uncovering yeah, rap, uh, rappers coverage. He does a great job. Like I was shocked to see that right out of the gate, and I'm I'm one of the first people in this country to do this job who looks like me. Yes. and I still walk into Canada. and I go, all right, yeah, that's not a big deal. Or as, or as big a deal. I, I think it's the right way to say it. It's not as big a deal. It's not as in your face. It's not a, uh, a, co- a constant conversation topic or maybe to the degree or intensity that it is here in the States. And I, again, I'm not spe- I am not speak from a different perspective. I'm not an athlete. I'm not as, as high profile as some of the guys that, that I travel with. But when they walk into Toronto, I imagine that they feel very similarly to how you've described it. I will also make the case that the Toronto trip is great. Early in the season. Oh, it is not as fun. What
0: a nightmare in February. <laughs> fucking sucks.
2: February. The last like three times we've had to go up to Toronto in the tough. middle of a fucking snowstorm. Not oh, as fun. But trust me, I've done playoff games in, in the middle of May in Toronto. And nothing makes me happier than to jump on a Porter Airlines flight out of Midway in Chicago. <laughs> good,
0: good name get in, reference get in, there. Good. Get into, <laughs> very very Adnan of you.
2: <laughs> get into Bishop Airport. Right? Billy, Billy Bishop. Yeah. Billy Bishop Airport <laughs> is where it's at. Best airport, yes. Best airport in the world. Best airport in the world. Best flight. Easy. They give you the nice coffee and the cookies. It's so nice in there. They do. Like, nothing makes me happier than to come into Toronto in April or May for an NBA playoff game because it's going to be a great atmosphere. The people are so kind. The food's good. You're going to be there for two or three days. Mm-hmm. And that that trip was always something that I enjoyed. And I do feel like the NBA players feel very similarly for all the reasons that we've laid out.
0: All right. We'll finish up on this. We'll get off of Canada because I know people are already bored with this. Adnan. If if I can make this happen for you, all right, and obviously I can't. Yeah. What job out there would you want right now? If I could say Adnan, you could do this. Like, you know, you could have Chris Fowler's job or assignments, or you can have uh, Tariko's yeah. job or something. Like, this is a tricky one for you because I'm not actually not sure of the answer on this. But what would it be for you? I know you love baseball. Yeah. But it's not like there's there's not like a, you know, a singular host who's like the host voice. I mean, cost us a little, but not really. So like. What would the job be right now for you?
1: I'd like to take Michael Cole's job, make my return to WWE. <laughs> I'd be reunited with Nick Khan once again. My god, that's Adnan Vert's music. Oh my god. You work would
0: you work with McAfee or Corey Graves because I know Graves is your guy.
1: Graves is my guy. He's the best. And I know I, I don't know if we're getting any WWE conversation in there, but I do want to mention Kevin Patrick. I'm thrilled for him. I know he's now the voice of Raw. I wish yeah, him good. well. Uh, I was only there for 7 weeks, but I'll tell you I I it was such an overwhelming experience, and obviously, I was being criticized heavily in all quarters. And I'll never forget Kevin was so kind and conscientious. I think he saw me one day. You know when you see somebody with a glazed look on their face, you're right. Know, all right. I think he's a little shell shocked. Maybe Vince just read him the right act. And he came over to me and he was like, listen, I can't do Kevin's accent, but he's like, I, like I know what you're going through. Like we're not from this world, and like they, we're talking about race in Canada and America. Like in that wrestling world, you're not one of us. You you don't belong here. And he goes, I feel that too. I'm coming from MLS and soccer. You're coming from baseball and ESPN. So like. I, I sympathize with you. Every time I hear you calling this stuff, I'm like, man, don't check Twitter. I, don't I check wish, I wish okay. you would. You
0: would never got a chance to take a bump, right? I wish that had happened. I know.
1: That's the thing. If, if I had known Rich, the stint would be that short. Like, I would have done so many more things. Yeah. Like, I remember, I think I was talking to Mustafa Ali. And it was like, you know, kind of, I actually did go in the ring. Like, he, he was like, you go in there. I'm like, are you sure? Like, I wasn't sure if that's for boat. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I actually got to, like, be in a ring. And I'm like, God, in, in retrospect, Seamus should have just throw me into the ring. Like, just once. Because the story is still good. Like I took the job saying it's going to be a good chapter in my book. The chapter is just shorter than I would have thought it to be. Sure. Right. But, but imagine if you took a job at the fan and you knew going in, all right, Bob McCallum's going to bring me in here and I've got this finite window. So for if how long we were at the fan? Two, I was there,
0: there for three and a half years, but with McCallum only for a year and a half.
1: Okay, so if you knew that and you go, okay, hey, I've, it's been 17 months. I got one month left. I'm just going to go nuts now. Like, there's no better feeling yeah, if you are completely liberated.
0: Right? Yeah. Had like, I known, had I known when he was going to be bought out, I would have, <laughs> I would have been saying crazy shit for that month. You're right.
1: Similarly, yeah. if I had known, like as they all knew, this was my final Monday Night Raw. I'm like, oh my god, why didn't, why, why didn't they write that into the storyline? Oh, be like, Bert, I know. We we don't want you here anymore. Get him out of here. But at at, a, you I told
2: you
0: told raid. me, yeah, man, that you like. I remember talking. About this, you said Charlotte Flair was great, right? She was really nice yeah. to you. Big fan of Becky and Seth. Yeah, right. Uh, so you did the rose was real...
1: great. Yeah, yeah I, there I, a lot I of people. Yeah, there are a lot I, I of people. I'm so there. thrilled. Like uh, Drew McIntyre reached out to me. I was I stunned. Like Drew McIntyre like, sent, yeah, sent yeah, me a DM, like a DM on a social dude. media. Like, like, hey, yeah. man, I uh, Jinder Mahal, South Asian Canadian, of course, he's going to look out for me. But like that, that, that's the biggest thing. If I'm me, and someone goes, "What was the experience like?" The two things I want to know is Vince and the wrestlers. And I'm like, listen, Vince was very cordial like he was respectful he he's not he's not hobnobbing in the locker room asking me what i think about the jays but at the same time he wasn't like screaming at me every five minutes it's like he, he kind of he does his own thing and he would he would be very direct he was very blunt with his feedback he's not in the mood to offer pleasantries but at the same time I, I appreciate the direct approach but the wrestlers themselves the amount of people rich who don't know the world like you do like i would tell friends i'm like they're all friends i go no that's not true i go i, I don't mean to like you know <laughs> burst your bubble here like tanya santa doesn't exist but they're all down-to-earth friendly genuine hard-working people and you know this the actual like technical expertise and like the incredible the, uh, insane like it, it is a 52 a week roadshow like imagine if, if you're the stones you're working with the stones that's what these guys are like yeah. we're breaking this table we got this audio this microphone like it's amazing and, and to go back to graves and byron those guys are the best i know both of you were like me and have been in a situation where you looked around the room and said I'm actually the weakest link in this room. That, that, that is not a good feeling to have. That is an unnerving feeling. And they knew it too. You looked at it and you guys know I'm the weak link here too. And yet they were consistently propping me up, right? Hey, it's like it's like an athlete. You know the athlete's not 100%. Anything you need, give me the ball. Just give me the rock and I'll go. Like just let's just throw the first slant passes. I'll take care of you. So I'm, I'm thrilled for Graves that he's now with, with Kevin, who I, I think is ready now, at the time he joked to me because if they get rid of you, they better not put me in there. I'm that job's way too hard, but I think he's he sees him you, he's seasoned now. Did
0: you let me ask you before we get down? Did you yeah. ever deal with uh Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar on any kind of basis? I didn't,
1: I didn't get to see Roman or Brock, no, okay,
0: yeah, they were I on the other show time. at the time, right? Yeah, they were on, Smack or Smack they were away, yeah. yeah, okay, all right, yeah, um, all right, Adam, I mean. The real question I have for you is, and again, I, you know, don't, don't be creating so much headlines here, but you're in a great position at Fox, you know, essentially doing, essentially, I call you the number two baseball guy there, and you're on the number three NFL team. So, I mean, if you just, it's just math at a certain point. Um, like, do you have, like, is it a dream of yours to eventually lead a package, whether it's the, baseball package not you know joe davis is relatively around your age and uh you know kevin Burkhart, you're a little younger than kevin burkhardt um but you know he's not he's not 70 or something like that so these guys are going to be in these positions for a while but you know if if things tracked as i think you would hope and fox would hope it is very realistic for you to potentially lead one of these two packages
2: i I think i think it's maybe in the cards i try not to think about it for a couple reasons And, and and let me also answered bluntly, yeah. Any one of us would want to call a Super Bowl, World Series, NBA Finals, in whatever sport, whatever discipline that we're we're locked into. Of course, we want to call the biggest possible game slash games slash series that we can. I don't think about it in that regard for now, because first off, Kevin and Joe are are buddies of mine, and Joe specifically. Joe, Joe, and I came up in this business together. Like he and I have been friends since 2010. And uh, 2009, actually, when we were both in a, in the same minor league together, working for different teams. Wow. That's how we first met. And I would stay in Joe and his wife Libby's now wife Libby's uh, apartment uh, in Alabama while he was working in Montgomery. And I was getting ready to go to New Jersey to work in minor league baseball a month before my season began. I would stay with Joe and Libby and Libby would make me lunch and make both of us like a bat brown bag lunch to take to the ballpark every day. Joe and I would go to the gym, then we'd go to the ballpark, we'd call games together for a week, and then I'd go to New Jersey to go do my season. And like that's the type of friendship we've always had. We, we were at ESPN for a little while together, and then he went to Fox, and I've seen him blossom into, and, and with the Dodgers too, arguably the best play-by-play guy in baseball right now. And There's plenty of arguments to make for plenty of talented people, but he's got the big yeah, job. He's in the conversation, and, absolutely. And the way he... Uh, that. Bryce Harper home run call is a legendary call. And the kids, I call him a kid. He's 30. He's my age, 35. And to me, I, I don't want to, I would never want to step in front of anybody that I have a lot of respect for. I, I, it just wouldn't feel right. I think is, is the best way. If he left on his own accord, or Kevin left on his own accord or something like that like yeah sure I would I hope I'd be considered and if I weren't then we have a different conversation and a problem right. there if I'm not considered for those things but to me getting those opportunities I hope they come organically whether it's in basketball football or baseball and I hope they don't come at the expense of somebody else the way that this Jim Nance I eagle thing has worked out I feel I hope both guys feel comfortable then it feels like they do yeah I Ian's the same way. He doesn't want to undercut people to get a job that he deserves. He deserves to be the final four voice. And he's arguably the best basketball play by play guy we have in this country. So I, I would hope that if I ever get one of those opportunities, they come organically. And yeah, I love that Joe gets to do the World Series at 35. And any one of us would want the opportunity to do something early so we can prove ourselves and then maybe have that position for a long time the way Joe Buck did. But. I, I tell younger announcers too, like this is a marathon, it is not a sprint. And would you want to mortgage the skill and the experience that you get now to get into a bigger position that you may not be able to hold on to? Or would you rather develop your skill, be really comfortable and confident, and then end your career in a great, great spot, the best spot that you could possibly end in? And the more I think of it in that framework, the more I think of it in that, in that skeletal structure, the less antagonistic feelings I have to my colleagues and friends. And the more I think about this in a, in a, in more of a vacuum, like, Hey, just keep building on stuff. And I think that's the best way to go about it. But yeah, like bluntly, of course, any one of us ask any person who does my job and Ann's job, they want those jobs. They want to do those games because they feel like they deserve it or they could do it, or they could do a good job on them. But I just want those things to come organically. And I don't want to undercut people for that.
0: All right, Adnan, last one for you. But you did not answer, I don't think, what whose job you wanted. Oh, so yeah. I should go back to that. Yeah.
1: Well, I was going to say, my, you know, he was mentioning Joe Davis's Bryce Harper call. That's like my Rhea Ripley Riptide call. I thought that also resonated yeah, I, with, the, yeah. with the WWE universe. Truly, in truly, there, it's one. It's one at one. It's six and the one. One, half one a a. In yeah. 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 I think if, you know, because baseball is my favorite sport, it would probably be either Joe Davis or Burkhardt. I think I'd either want to call the World Series or nice. be hosting the World Series, and yeah. I'd be reunited with Adam. So actually, that would be, be awesome. it would be perfect. It would actually be that's you know, there's a dream. I'll take Burkhart's gig. Adam does Joe Davis. Boom, we you get guys the set. The All right, last last one.
0: You know, yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, and then just you know, how much how appreciative you are of Jim uh, Miller just cur- f bombing all the oh, way. After.
1: I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned that. So <laughs> we we all know now the big reveal. You did that solely just to play Jim dropping an f bomb because he's <laughs> never cursed before. He's on the pod. Like, you know, how can we introduce him in a different way? Oh, remember he dropped an f bomb with Adnan? Absolutely. And
0: and I knew I was going to have you guys on the next week, so there was a method to the uh, to the match. <laughs> it's method. all like wrestling. Uh, yeah, everything is wrestling. Um. And now I forgot the 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 the, I had such a good final question. Oh no no, it's Nick Khan related. Okay, okay. So Nick Khan is the head of um he's the head of WWE. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, What's his official title? President? Co president? Co CEO? Co CEO with Stephanie McMahon. I should know this. Okay, he was your uh, he was your longtime agent, and one of maybe he. I mean he's still I'm sure agent emeritus for you. You know you know secretly. Khan's giving you a call here to give you professional advice. That's his,
1: his, his MO. Um, would you say, by the way, before I ask you ask a question, would you say that you think in your professional opinion, I'm one of his favorite clients and you absolutely. understand? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of, I've certainly talked to him a lot. I know a lot of his clients and I think you would be, I don't want to Mount Rushmore it cause he's, cause he's got a, he's had a lot of people, but yeah. you were, you you're, you'd be in the starting nine. How's that?
1: Tessitore top of the list. We got BK, Carissa <laughs> Yeah. Thompson yeah. There's, there's hot, others but, who have been yeah. longer so. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, I think you're in the starting nine. Yeah, Tesla Tor probably Mount Rushmore. Tessa's guy. That's fair. (laughs) Um, Kellerman he had for a long time, right? Way back in the day. Yeah. So, and this will help, I think, because I I do have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are sort of young, either sort of in college or just starting out their career. They're not going to get a Nick Khan agent right away. I mean, Hmm. that you sort of have to work up to that. And the reality is, like Nick Khan is someone who can change your life as an agent. Let's just be blunt. Sure, Adnan. In your given that you've sort of sort of been through the wars a little bit here, what do you say about having an agent in sports broadcasting in the United States? Like its importance. Um, how what what advice would you have in terms of like trying to find one? I think a lot of people probably sort of try to figure out like, do I go with a big agency who have all these contacts, or would I go with someone smaller who like really knows me and is like into my career? How would you? navigate those kind of waters because the reality is in the business if you have the right agent particularly one who's got juice of the company like this is like life-changing money like just let's just be honest like it it can literally change your life if if everything hits
1: yeah and it's a great question as for aspiring broadcast because in canada there are no agents like i remember my old boss Anthony Chichoni at the score. I think I even just casually mentioned the idea of an agent. He's like, you come in with an agent, I'll throw you out that window. Like I brought you into this company, I'll take you out. Like so I So much for I, the I,
0: Canadian nice.
1: Oh, exactly. man. Exactly. Anthony's like good Italian. Fellas. Exactly. He was very good, fellas. Chachone brought in the old Italian heavy part of it. But in America, I wasn't didn't know how to do it. So it actually ties with one of Adam's colleagues now, the great Robert Smith, former colleague at ESPN. Robert would do some stuff with our station called the score. So my boss, Anthony, at the same time, while willing to throw me out the window. Did say to me, I think you have the talent to go to America and be a real success. And I wasn't married at the time. He said, you should do it now. You should go. And I said, I don't know how to get an agent. He's like, well, we'll figure that part out for you. I said, this is really odd that my boss is trying to get me out the door. But sure. And then Dave Rutherford is another great guy, our news director, who, by the way, won the lottery, which is amazing, <laughs> a year ago. I, I couldn't wow. wait to text all my colleagues. I'm like, wait, Rutherford won the lottery. He won a million dollars. Our gosh. old news director it's amazing. So Dave goes, I'll ask Robert Smith, because Robert Smith has an agent. He did some stuff with us. So I got Robert Smith's agent. I sent my stuff. He said, I don't like it. I said, no problem. He said, but I'll give you somebody else. I said, good. Second agent, I don't like it, but I'll give you somebody else. So I appreciate that these people are willing to pay it forward. The third agent was Mark Turner of Abrams Artists in New York. He goes, I like your stuff. If you come down here, we'll have a conversation. We'll go from there. Came down. I did like a trip to go see the Yankee game, brought a couple buddies, met him, shook hands, handshake deal. 10% gross, whatever you get is mine. But if I don't get any work for you, you pay nothing. And if you want to leave, you can just leave. I'm like, sounds pretty good to me. So it took a while. I mean, that was probably '08, And it took me a year and a half. I started ESPN in May of 2010. But eventually, I got the gig. So what, what I liked about it was that he wasn't, there wasn't any exchange of funds up front. It was simply, if I get work for you, then you take care of me. And Adam can speak to this. Once you have that agent, I mean, for years, I said, well, Mark's the guy that got me the job at ESPN. And somebody might argue, well, you got the job. I said, no, but Mark knew what to do. He knew to hit up Lori Orlando, who was a real advocate for me and the head of the talent department. And he was able to navigate the waters. I'm like, I I could not have gotten this job without an agent, period. I I would not have gotten the job at ESPN. So I'm very indebted to Mark. And then Mike Salk, who did radio, uh, we did radio together, was like, hey, you should talk to my agent, Nick Khan. And neophyte that I was, I said, Well I don't know who that is. He said, No, you you'll want to talk to this guy. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, he's important. And I like and Adam's the same way as me. I'm like, listen, I'm loyal to Mark. Like he got me the job here. Like I'm, I'm just not interested. I just don't have the conversation. And he's like, just, just give Nick 10 minutes. And I think after three minutes, he had me. So I'm like, all right, this was clearly a worthwhile call. Yeah. I, it, within three minutes, Nick was so smart. I think he he must like have a book on each person. Like I think he knew Oberman was my favorite broadcaster and remained so. And now I text Keith. And I listen to his podcast every day. I think he started the conversation by saying, oh, I know Keith Oberman's your favorite broadcaster. I represent Keith Oberman. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, yeah, if you ever want to have a conversation with Keith, have dinner. I'm like, okay, this guy already is just reading me like a book. And then away we went from there. And what's awkward about changing the agent, because I realized Nick was better for me at that time, was then to make that conversation with Mark. But here's how smart Nick is. He said, you know, I've met your lovely wife, Eamon. You got your kids. He said, I'm going to assume this isn't the first relationship you've been in. And I was like, uh, no. He goes, so I'm assuming you've had to break up with a lady before. <laughs> like, yeah. He goes, those are awkward conversations to have. They're tough conversations to have, but they're quick. And once it's over, you feel better. So I had to call Mark Turner and tell him, hey... And you know that, that call, Rich, when that guy answers the phone, happy to hear you. He was like, hey, how you been? And then you have to just drop oh, the God. guillotine. And I got bad news, man. It's It's been a great run. But I'm, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a gig here with Nick Khan here at CAA. And and he was upset, very upset. Oh, you're still going to owe me 10% gross? And the rest of this contract says, yep, no problem. You, you negotiate the contract. I'll pay you. So Nick is now representing me, even though I'm not paying him now for the duration of my contract, which was another 20 months, which I yeah. thought was ludicrous for Nick's brother. Why would you represent somebody who's not going to pay you for over a year and a half? But of course... As he said to me, I'm investing in you. He's, I think you can be what the guys on my stable are. And I was just so flattered. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, and the thing about Nick is he's just has such authority about him. Like, there's no BS. He's like, yeah, because I think you can be like the guys that I represent. So you should come with me. We can make this happen. I'm like, okay, where do I sign? And um, here, here's the best thing I can tell you about Nick. Hopefully, he doesn't mind me sharing this. I, I call him back and I go, hey, I talked to Mark. We're done. We're good. He's like, all right, excellent. I'll send the paperwork, We'll take care of it. And I said, yeah, hey. he goes, what did he say? I go, well, he kind of he ripped me about Oberman. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, I said to him, like, you know, this guy represents Keith Oberman. Keith Oberman's like my favorite broadcaster. And he was like, oh, you know, Keith Oberman, like that guy's been, you know, how many different jobs has he gone through, the people he's treated, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> the next day, at, like, I- I'm going to say like 4.30 a.m. It was <laughs> absurdly early. Nick just simply texted, just a thought. Your former agent you will no longer have dealings with mocked my association and you for being in infatuated with Keith Oberman. To be clear, last year, Keith Olbermann made $19 million. (laughs) So if you ever have another conversation, then let him know, I'd like to be kind of money that Keith Olbermann has made. And I said... All right, so Nick is like this cuddly bear, this sweet guy. My wife is so charmed by him, but he's ruthless. He wakes up the first thing he thinks is, "I gotta go text Burke." I, I thought it was very illuminating and a little scary, a little bit.
0: I love. that. He's, got, uh, he, he's,
1: he's the Shug, the Shug Knight of
2: uh, agents, in you're gonna, the, in you're gonna get a
0: you're gonna get a text at four thirty in the morning for sharing that story, Adam. <laughs> exactly. uh, Ad, uh, Adam, what about you? You were uh, you weren't you a a mont a Montag guy? No, a yeah, right. Uh,
2: well, yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm represented by Maury right. Gosfran, the Montag oh, yes. group. And he's, know he's been well. my right. he's been my representative since he reps uh, a
0: lot of big people
2: since 2011. Uh, he called me. Uh, I, I again, I mentioned Ian Eagle earlier, and uh, he basically facilitated it without me knowing it. Basically, when told Maury Gosfran, hey, you got to check this kid out. I think he's got a future. I think he's going to be good. Uh, and I think eventually he. Didn't want to listen to I and you know keep saying this over and over. So we got into, into contact. We met in Indianapolis at the Big Ten tournament when he was representing Dave O'Brien, who I got a chance to meet for the first time and, and talk to him. And every client I talked to, he said, this is one of the best decisions I ever made. And uh, I think you'll you'll be happy with that decision. And, and I've had opportunities to leave and I haven't. And not because the other people aren't great at what they do. There's still people that if I get a text from them, hey, I saw this game, hope everything's good. That I appreciate that. But uh, as it's been right now, I've stuck with the same person because it's been good for me. And uh, the, the thing I tell plenty of younger broadcasters now when they ask this question is, A, you should know. like You'll kind of know when you need it based on the volume of offers or how much work you're getting. And if you're getting work on your own, you don't have to pay 10% to somebody if you don't feel like you need to. But if you feel like it's enough to get you to the next step and you need a little bit of a push from somebody... Then you get into the conversation of is this person right for my personality? I think that's important too. Because if you're not a bulldog, if you're just not a, you know, if you're not that type of person, and I am not that type of person, I don't want somebody going into a meeting room and being overly aggressive with people and kind of misrepresenting my personality as well. I think that's important. To have people that represent your values. I, I think for me, Maury is like a slightly more extreme version of like my deepest, you know, desires. Slightly more extreme version. It's not even like he walks into a room, I know he's gonna represent me properly. And the only other thing I would say is understand that those relationships are supposed to be mutually beneficial. They are trying to make money off of you, and right. you are trying to get more work so that you can make more money as well. Like, <laughs> uh, like you want the biggest events, you want your high profile, you want to make you know enough money to be comfortable and, and take care of your family and all that stuff. It's a mutual. It's supposed to be a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. It is a business relationship. And then for me, I'm thankful that I've become friends with Maury, and he's an important person in my life over the course of the last decade.
1: I think that last point, Rich, is really important. Like with Matt Olson, my agent now at CAA, like again, Nick was like, you're going to like Matt. Like I'm leaving you in good hands here. I'm going to WWE, but he's a good guy. You're on the same wavelength. You have to feel like you're friends. You have to feel like it's a partnership. You have to have difficult conversations sometimes and say, hey, yep. listen, I wish this had happened. Why didn't this happen? So I, he's totally right. It's all about chemistry and being simpatico.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate your transparency and uh, honesty here, guys, because a lot of people don't do that. Hey, listen, Maury is a... Morey is a power broker. He's probably he's certainly quieter and lower profile than Nick Conn, but uh um, you know, he he is uh he is connected for sure. All right. Um we've gone seventy four minutes. I don't think there's anything left to say. I mean at this point. I mean I know Adnan probably wants to talk about uh you know, Michael Mann or I, Peter, that's I, I, yeah, I, I thought we were,
2: yeah. we were going to relitigate. He already interviewed the author of The of Heat, too. Like, I I, f- <laughs> I feel like we we're going to relitigate The Irishman. I was going to yes. try oh. to get more people to, to come back around. I've watched it a couple times. I watched yeah. Casino, then I watched The Irishman for the De Niro Pesci uh, uh, dichotomy. Here's and what like, has go to happen. Back and
1: watch, Adam, go back and watch it. Adam couldn't be more right about The Irishman, how brilliant it is. Adam has never missed an episode of Cinephile. Rich, you have never listened to an episode of Cinephile. I listened to so- one. When you do, you, that, you have to listen this week but jim it was
0: his, a t- I, I actually i it was uh i was i was trying to listen to the jim Cornette experience and somehow your cinephile popped up so i kind of got rooked by 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 my podcast listen,
1: i know look at, oh, number, oh, two, look at number two ready on the queue if ready we were on queue, video
0: ready. that's good and, evidence and that, jeremy ad, strong, that adam Amin listens to cinephile
1: right jeremy strong who won best act for being a Succession. Yeah, yeah, this week. i know you're a succession guy he's your guest this week Jeremy Strong All right, is going right, to me, that. listen to the right. he, yeah, Did you Strong, read the uh, poll? What was
0: it? Whoa, that's a great poll. What was the yeah. – uh, was it the New Yorker? Somebody – there was a crazy profile. There, yes, right? yes. Like his intensity was at the New Yorker?
1: Yeah, so it's an amazing article. Like thought of method, I feel, method The entire time I wanted to ask him about it, but it wouldn't piss him off. But yeah. the article came out as he's just so intense and so crazy intense he's like right. – like, he, he, I think the headline was like, Jeremy Strong doesn't know successions a comedy. Like, like, the writer asked him about it. And he's like, no, it's very serious business. Like, I have this you know dark character and I go through this Chappaquiddick experience. Like, no, bro, it's funny. Like Brian Cox is going to fuck off. Like it's
0: Brian Cox up. is amazing. Yeah, that is a great show. When is that back? Adnan, you'll know. They're saying
1: in the spring for season four. The trailer's already out, but it's gonna be sometime in the spring. No the exact date on each video. You going to get Jim Miller back on for
0: season. Apple time. TV, uh Severance, Adnan, up or down. Have you watched that? Yeah, I, I liked it. I, 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 did, I liked it too. Yeah, I, I Adam, did I you watch Severance?
2: It. Yeah. I've watched two episodes and I'm a fan of it so okay. far. So okay.
0: you're very much on the I watched you just told me before we started, you watched one episode of House of Dragons and then you were out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was watching it with the woman I was seeing at the time, and she is a very big Game of Thrones fan, and she is... A- a delightful human being, but after one episode, and then we stopped seeing each other after a little while. I, was like, I don't think I need to revisit House of, House of the Dragon. It's like right
0: uh, <laughs> Adam, are you a Star Wars fan? Yeah, I watched twelve minutes of And. Watched, <laughs>
2: and <yeah>. <laughs> I watched. I watched. I watched the second episode of the Mandalorian, and then the woman <laughs> I was seeing didn't want to watch it. Apparently, most of my watching habits are dictated by the women in my life. So that's <laughs> nothing fun. wrong with
0: that. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm I, I will watch any Star Wars limited series. I love that stuff, yeah, and I am stuff. a big House of Dragons fan. I, I, can, I can appreciate that. Listening, man. all right, listen. One There's last Verducci
1: story say. before you wrap up. Because Verducci is <laughs> <Go on>. connected <laughs> tissue for all three of us. Yep, so Adam is calling a game with Verducci on Fox. And of course he does a lot of studio work at MLB Network. And I said, after he'd called the game, I, I see Verducci and studio working. And I'm like, hey, how was Adam a mean? And he was good. And and since Rich knows Tom, like he's, he's just so well spoken, he's like the perfect man, like the cloth of the, the look I mean, He goes great looking dude. Yeah, like I was, I was always shocked. To how did you become a sports writer? Like you're like you should be on a runway. Like how the hell did you? you like, like
0: he's like Paul Newman. He's
1: <laughs> like, yeah, Paul Newman.
2: best head of hair, best <laughs> yeah. dressed, great yeah. looking, great looking yeah. dude, ridiculous. and great so greatly talented. So I said, "How was
1: it mean?" And he goes, "He was very prepared." I was like, "Cool." <laughs> So I text Adam that and I, I put in the ellipses. I said, I asked for Nucci for the scouting price and he was very dot, dot, dot prepared. And now Adam's erotic. He's like, well, I, I, I mean, I, hope I was like, well, I, did I not do a good enough job?
2: He's like, did <laughs> I talk, does that just mean I talked right. too much because of all the notes that I had or that I, because I didn't want to look like an
1: idiot for a fucking Tom Bernucci. But then The next time Tom works with Adam, Tom sees me. And before I even say how's with Adam, he goes, Hey, I didn't know how tight you guys were. Like, <laughs> like Verducci's like, all right, the <laughs> book is out now. I can't say anything to Burke. It's going to get that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, Tom Verducci is, am- I mean, the guy like writes like a poet. He's yeah. amazing on TV. He's probably he's so good. <laughs> There obviously were some incredibly talented people at Sports Illustrated. I think he's probably the most talented. If you sort of put it in a multimedia universe, he's he is great at everything he does. Uh, he's, walk,
2: he's walking in the near the Dodger clubhouse during our NLDS series because he was our, our field reporter for it, and he's walking and it looks like a runway model. Where the the suit's all tailored, perfect. Yeah, the hair looks right. great, and then I look to the wall next to him that he's walking by, and it's his article from Sports Illustrated from 2016. <laughs> Cover story on Vin Scully, and I'm I like, that story. I was like, Tom, he's like, yeah, he didn't really, really want to talk about a couple things. That was okay though. But I'm like, you're, t- you're walking in, it's your I fucking know. cover on the wall. Are you kidding me?
0: He actually got Kofax to talk, which is almost oh,
1: incredible. Kofax never talks, incredible. He yeah, is. That, he's, that's he's a most great most SI happy. issue. I like Rich when you well, you post the previous issues from an employer. That was yeah. like our most favorite athletes, So Kofax was number one. It was great. Yeah,
0: yeah. He uh, uh, yeah, um there. Again, it's, it's, we live in a world, obviously, of uh, hyperbole, but Tom Verducci is far and away the singular biggest baseball talent of his generation, and however you want to frame that in. But yeah, and they will I, I don't think they're, they're – uh, certainly not in my lifetime. Uh, there will never be someone who is that good a writer who is also that good a broadcaster. It's everything he He's an yeah, all-encompassing like baseball person. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And, and, not on, and he's smart because he's not on Twitter, by the way, either. Yes, yeah Very he smart.
1: told me he goes i said watch you on twitter he goes i never hear one positive about it every time because i would never buy a car or something. oh my god this car is the worst you should never get it like why would i ever I feel
2: awful it? every time i step step foot inside of this car i feel terrible why and would by i the buy way, that well, this cold, is why cold. i took
0: my this, yeah. this is why i took my break it's okay. like uh i really like house of thrones and then the first match is fuck you oh, oh great thank you thank you
1: how Lord long Varys. was your sabbaticals? Both of you took seven, seven months. Seven months. Adam, how long was your uh you? July of twenty
2: one? So more than a year now of, of not tweeting.
0: Yeah, and I'm 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 I'll be very blunt. I'm but I'm really having sort of said this to the audience, but like I'm really only back just to just to push like my stuff because like <laughs> sure. it's just that's it. Just because like eventually I'll be coming up on a contract year and like I just well, I'll probably want to get it out there more. I have no absolute my connection no. to it where it once was strong no longer exists i don't think it's a very healthy platform i think it's purely no. toxic and i yeah. think it's only going to get worse so i'm not sure how much longer no. i'll do it what, but uh more but the reality is, is like is our business is so invested in it that there is a positive to be on it i do wonder if you want a little like prediction adnan ad, 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 yeah i i if it, in a pos, post elon musk twitter universe i would not be surprised if like a year and a half from now we saw a lot of media types maybe pull away. Just
2: yeah, a guess. I think so, so too. I, I get that feeling already. You know, yeah. and, and and we'll see. And I'm not I'm not an example of it or anything, but like yeah. I feel like more more and more people are starting to I think to people, get I harder. think
0: individuals, particularly maybe yeah. like some celebrities and stuff, they they will leave.
2: Yeah. But I think I, so too. But
0: I, I would not be surprised if that now I don't know where it's gonna go. You know, I don't know if that means everybody flocks to TikTok or something like that. I just I don't know sure. what the, the next is but that's that's my that'd be my one guess and I guess we'll see a year from now if I'm right. Yeah. All right. Adnan Verk he hosts He's on the MLB Network as a host. He's on the NHL Network as a host. Uh, Cinephile with Jeremy Strong. I might have to listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's probably getting big, much bigger guests than I realized. <laughs> Adam Amin is uh, calling the World Series. No, not yet. Adam Amin is calls the NFL for Fox. With uh, usual partners of Mark Schlereth and Christina Pink, right? Yep, yep, yeah, it's a good group there. Um, and he uh, did uh, MLB on Fox, uh, the Dodgers, Padres NLDS with Aj Pruszynski. Um And who did you have? A, did you have a dugout reporter? That was
2: that was Tom. That was that was that, that was Tom. Was yeah, Regucci. yeah. My, yep. my head is spinning. Um,
0: <laughs> and he does the TV play-by-play for the Bulls. All right, listen, I really appreciate you guys giving me time. It was a great conversation. Both of you reveal stuff that normally does not get revealed in this. Um, I don't think at this point Adnan cares, but Adam, I hope it does
2: not hurt you at Fox. <laughs> I don't I, I'd I don't like think to you put believe... not, you
0: not, Yeah, you didn't reveal. Uh, first of all, I can guarantee Nick Khan's going to be the second if he hears this. He's texting Adnan. <laughs> what the fuck? The 19 million anecdote, Adnan. Don't mention me. Uh, But no, I don't think, Adam, you said anything that would be... Uh, that
2: no, would I'd, I'd like to believe it's stuff. not inflammatory to people no, no, I enjoy no, no, and love and respect. The, so.
0: Yeah, you're not the cop. All right, Adnan Burke, Adam Amin. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Be thanks, on. Rich.
2: Good to see you. Thanks, man.
0: All right, back in the studio. My thanks to uh, Adnan Virk and Adam Amin for uh, for a fun uh, hour-plus conversation. Uh, it was very great to catch up with those guys. Uh, I respect their work immensely, and, uh, and they're particularly transparent, and that's something I really appreciate uh, as guests coming on to this podcast. Um, we've done a lot lately, so uh, head to the archives. Uh, hopefully, they'll be... Um, some stuff uh, that you like. Uh, Jamel Hill was a guest of this podcast earlier this week. We had uh, Where ESPN Stands in 2022, a podcast with author James Andrew Miller. The impact about Michaels criticizing Dan Snyder during NFL broadcast with Chad Finn. And a new podcast exploring the intersection of sports and the American Jewish culture with Meredith Shiner. Bob Costas was a guest on this podcast not um, too long ago. And that was a pretty interesting uh, conversation. I've certainly done some NFL stuff, including um, the producer and director of Fox Sports's number one team, producer and director of Amazon's number one team. Anna Wolf was here not too long ago to talk about the welfare scandal in Mississippi regarding uh, that state and uh, Brett Favre's uh, involvement as uh, as well. Um, if you like these podcasts, please head to wherever you get them and leave us a five-star review and a nice note. I'm happy to read uh, some nice reviews on the air. Uh, that pod, this podcast does not continue without, uh, without the support of people listening, so thank you for that. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to Chris Corbin and everybody else at Cadence 13. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.